Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Very nice to be with you. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. This particular variant of The Doctor Is In is E-Person Monday. My man there at Ave Maria Communications, Eric Dumont, he normally is the call screamer, but he is taking care of all the flashing buttons that beep and all the things they got to do to make it run on that end in cooperation with the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. What a privilege it is to to be on that network for years and years and years and years. I did uh, secular media. And, of course, in secular media, there were all kinds of... Things that I wanted to say and didn't have the chance that I wanted to embellish them. So, I got to be here. Uh, we'll, we'll get into your e-persons in a moment. Uh, just a little info on how to stay safe, okay? Staying safe in the world today. Do not get in a car. Cars are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Did you know that? Now, you can't stay home either. Because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. Don't walk. 14% of all accidents occur to people walking, pedestrians. Traveling by air, rail, water. 16% of all accidents. Now, of the remaining 33% of all that, if you added that up, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. So, avoid hospitals. However... You're feeling pretty assaulted. You will be pleased to learn that only 0.001%, now that's one thousandth of 1% of all deaths occur in worship services in church. And these are usually related to previous physical problems. Therefore, in the words of Mr. Spock, of Star Trek fame, logic would dictate, Captain, that the safest place for you to be at any given point in time is in church. So I hope I prove that to you by statistics. <clears throat> As is common in therapy, oftentimes I see repetitive as is common oftentimes that you know what that is that's just searching for words i hate that kind of filler stuff common in therapy are couples where one is a step parent and also common is that the step parent sees the children from the spouse's previous relationship as more difficult than the bio parent does. 
had a situation where the dad, stepdad, was really complaining about the teenage daughter. Difficult, disrespectful. Mother, of course, well, shouldn't say of course. Mother was defending her. Mother was saying, stepdad doesn't understand. He needs to have a better relationship with her. And he said, it's hard to have a better relationship with her when she's that difficult. And mom says, we have to try. It caused all kinds of friction in their marriage. And by the way, uh, children are a main cause of disrupted second relationships. About eight or ten years later, stepdad came in for some other matter. And I asked, uh, in fact, you know, uh, how are things going with this teenage daughter who no longer is a teenager, she's probably in her 20. He said, oh, we divorced. So he and mom, bio mom, divorced. I had occasion, for whatever the reason, for bio mom to come in on, on some related matter. And I asked, how is so-and-so doing? And she said, oh, she's doing great. She's just doing great. I said, well, that's nice to hear. A lot of times in this business, I don't hear happy endings. That's really nice to hear that things are, have smoothed out for her. And mom said, yeah, yeah, she's got two children. I said, well, well that's great. Is, is she married? Oh, no, no. Mom looked at me like, what kind of dumb question is that? No. And I think the two two children were from two different guys. So mom said the daughter was doing wonderfully. That was mom's perspective. From a civilized perspective, you could probably say she was. I mean, she's maybe paying her bills, and working, and trying to be a good mom. Not in trouble with the law, not on drugs. From a civilized perspective. Routinely, I will have parents describe a long litany of troublesome behavior, say from a teenager. And then they will say, but you know, he's really overall a good kid. And I'll ask, oh, how is that? Well, he's not on drugs or anything like that. He gets decent grades. And he works. And, uh... Well, he's uh, never been in trouble with the law, just a few things. So, more and more people are satisfied with a civilized adjustment as opposed to a virtuous living. As the culture drops its standards... And a senator, long ago senator, I forget his name, was defined was was often said, we're defining deviancy down. As a result, as the moral standards drop across a culture, what becomes more and more acceptable morally makes it appear that if 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 this person is civilized, in other words, they're, they're socially responsible, or they don't hurt people, or they don't have any notable pathology, then that's, that's what you shoot for. 
that's uh, perfectly satisfactory. As Christians, you want to have your standard equal to a virtuous existence. Not the absence of pathology, but the presence of virtue that you're shooting for. You don't want somebody that just fits in rather well with the bulk of society that pretty much does as it wishes as long as it stays out of too much trouble. You want someone who who stands very tall in moral conduct, in charitable conduct, in giving conduct, in living at a responsible moral level above the norm. That's what you want. Those of you raising kids, virtuous adulthood is your goal. Not civilized adulthood. Much easier to raise a civilized kid. Some kids almost seem to raise themselves civilized, but without intentional parental input and influence. Virtue doesn't come easy. So don't get pulled into the trap of saying because somebody is civilized, that is good. It may be good in the sense that they don't bring self-destruction upon themselves or somebody else. But if your goal is virtue, you've got to reach higher. Dr. Ray. Today's programming on 990 WTEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor. The annual Rose Mass for Catholic Healthcare Workers celebrated by Bishop Boyer will be at 4.30 p.m. Saturday, March 9th at St. Thomas in Ann Arbor, followed by a reception in the parish hall. Karen Bussey, director of the Mother Teresa House, will speak on redemptive suffering. Suggested free will donation is $20. RSVP at cmalansing at gmail.com. That's cmalansing at gmail.com. Which of the seven sacraments has been especially instituted by Christ to aid those who are being tried by serious illness? It is the sacrament called the anointing of the sick. This sacrament was particularly promulgated by the Apostle James who said, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the priests of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick man, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Over the centuries, the sacrament came to be used on those who were dying and was called extramunction. But in this day and age, it is seen not as a sacrament strictly for those who are near death, but also those who are gravely ill in the hope they will recover. This is Peggy Stanton. And this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Thank you for listening. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. 
That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. out of practice whistling. I used to love to whistle. And I think part of it is nobody whistles anymore, so there's a certain self-consciousness involved if you're walking down the street or you're anywhere and you're whistling. It used to be when somebody talked to themselves, they looked like an odd duck. Well, now everybody talks to themselves because they've got a cell phone thing in their ear and you can't tell if they're talking to themselves or they're talking to somebody else. Same thing with whistling. Whistling is whistling is kind of the nonverbal counterpart of talking to yourself. People think, what's he whistling about? I like whistling. Hello, Dr. Ray. My son's wife has never liked me. Uh, let me stop right there. I don't have exact numbers to this, but far and away the intergenerational problems of this type are between mothers and daughters and mothers and daughter-in-laws. Much more common than fathers and sons and fathers and son-in-laws. Now, why is this? I'm not, I'm not impugning women. Don't mishear me. I'm simply saying there's, there is something about that relationship, whether it has to do with uh, women being more verbal and more likely to say things, to be misunderstood, or to be misinterpreted. But there is that phenomenon, at least in my experience. My son's wife has never liked me. And since they got married... Okay, where are we at here? It's okay, I just got a phone call that blocks what I'm saying here. Since they got married, three years now... Her behavior toward me has gotten worse. All right. I'm going to comment on that in a second, but let me go a little further in the e-person. They have two beautiful children. My son has become angry and distant towards me and no longer sends me photos of the children, nor does he invite me to see my grandchildren. His personality has completely changed from a happy person to someone negative and unhappy with me. Now, my question would be, was he a happy person before he got married and got along better with mom before he got married? And now there are complications because of the marriage and the relationship between his wife and his mother. She says, our writer says, I feel he is being manipulated and controlled. Sad mom. If that is your sense of things, I hope that in any way you haven't made that known. Either through an offhand comment or saying something to your son that, you know, she thinks that, just trying to win him over and win him back, that, that'll hurt you. That'll hurt you. So let me go back. To your first line. My son's wife has never liked me. Now there are two explanations in general to something like that. Most often there are a blend of the two. It may be that things were said 
offhand, opinions given, remarks made, whatever. About anything. If you have an, if you have an insecure daughter-in-law, then she's going to be prone to hear what you say in a negative way, even if you didn't intend it that way. My experience has been, much of the time when you have these relationships that are so fractured that there's minimal, if any, contact allowed, it's because there's been a buildup of that. So, you need to look at, scrutinize closely. If you're married, ask your husband to help you. Have I said things that could have been misinterpreted? I was only trying to help. Yes, but you perhaps got signals that it was not viewed positively. I would imagine if your daughter-in-law is at the point where she really doesn't have any contact with you whatsoever, that there were signals along the way that this was happening. Now, this is not to blame you. This is to simply say you need to really, really look at yourself hard to say, have I given her any kind of ammunition to do this? Chances are you have. Not on purpose, maybe. Not deliberately. But just saying things that you you underestimated their effect and you didn't learn from them. Now, if you come to that conclusion, and, and by the way, I'm saying this because when I talk to a lot of mom-in-laws in your situation, most of them will say, yeah, yeah, I've said things I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, there were times I gave my opinion and I could tell it wasn't wanted. Most of them will say this. Right? Unless unless you've got a daughter-in-law that says, I hate her simply because she's my husband, mother, she's a nice lady, she's a virtuous lady, she's a Christian lady, but I just don't like her for any reason whatsoever. That's not common. All right. Now, the other level. This is a daughter-in-law who is tough to get along with. She's prickly. She is quick to misinterpret things. She's she's quick to feel like you're somehow, some way putting her down. Whatever. And maybe you haven't picked up on that quick enough, but that's what she's like. She's married to your son. So she is going to tell your son all these things that she is frustrated and discontent with you about. This is his wife. He lives with her. Part of him is going to believe a lot of the way she sees it. And part of him is probably going to try to keep the peace with her. He can't dispute her too much. He He can't say, my mom's not like that. My mom's a good person. Because if he did, there could be some marital friction. So he chooses instead not to debate. Now, the fact that he too seems to have cut you off. Uh, adds some mystery to this in the sense that perhaps he believes that you have done these things that she's complaining about, his wife. All this said, here's what I think you need to do. And I talk about this in my grandparent book because I, I have a grandparent book where I talk about some of the most common questions I get from grandparents. 
It's on my website, by the way. It is discounted and signed. Just a little push there. You go back to your son and his wife, perhaps when they're together or, or asked to talk to them, and you simply apologize contritely. You say, I have probably said things over the years that were hurtful or offensive, and I am so, so very sorry. If it helps any, I didn't mean to do that, but I can see how you'd take it that way. I'm just asking your forgiveness, and I will, I will commit to you that I will try with everything I've got not to do that anymore. Not to make comments about child rearing, not to make comments about your faith, none of that. That's what I would suggest you do. And if at that point they look at you and they say, it's not good enough, forget it, you are who you are and we really don't like being around you, what are you going to do? You've run up against a very common intergenerational problem, which is many of the young people turn on their parents. That is so stinking common now. Some of it may be they don't like your religion, they don't like your politics, they don't like your views of life. I, whatever it is, they, they don't like stuff about you that is you. Our Lord said, I've come to bring a sword. Mothers against daughters. Fathers against sons. I don't know if that's the right relations. I don't remember that scripture verse exactly, but that was the gist. That the people closest to you are going to have uh, problems with you because you are his follower. Now, if that is the case... You want to be his follower that is easy to get along with. You want to be his follower that they like being around. However you choose to do that through any kind of charitable act, service, kindness, helpfulness, whatever it is. But watch the mouth. The mouth is the number one thing that fractures these relationships. Some people can get away with a lot of mouth because the other relative... Oh, just kind of shrugs it off. The other relative wants to live faithfully and isn't going to write you off. And if you got a relative like that, you thank God. But many have relatives that are not so easy gone, not so tolerant, quick to get prickly. And if you got one like that, you've really got to be careful about what you say and how you say it, knowing that at any moment you could be misinterpreted. Well, then, Dr. Ray, is that you can't say anything to anybody? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you learn. You learn from their reaction what kind of topics, what kind of advice, what kind of opinions to avoid giving. Well, Dr. Ray, when do we do, why don't we just talk about the mini prints? Well, sad to say, in some relations, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the only safe turf. But you're a grandma, and you want to have time with those grandkids. So you're going to have to adjust the things you say and your approach. 
to try to at least have a relationship that is, how shall we say, civilized? (laughs) I'm Dr. Ray. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Is In, The Variant. I have to use that word now. The Variant of The Doctor Is In, E-Person, Monday. I say person, can't say male. Gender insensitive. Linguistically inappropriate. The Doctor A, male is spelled M-A-I-L, not M-A-L. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's a homonym. It sounds the same. Okay, I've seen people get in trouble for using a perfectly appropriate word that is now a word you're not allowed to use. And even though they said, that's not what that word means, well, it sounds too close. I've seen it in the news. Believe it or not, I'm not making that up. Are now, well, let's let's just say he's uh, over 18. Was diagnosed at age 12, roughly, with ODD, Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Now, a diagnosis of oppositional defiant disorder essentially means that there's a lot of resistant, unruly behavior that is going on, and it's going on for a fair amount of time, and it's significantly enough that somebody, usually a mental health type, is going to call it a disorder. Now, a main factor in a kid getting that diagnosis, and again, this is not blaming, is parental style whether they're flummoxed in how to handle this kid, whether their discipline's inconsistency, whether the house is unstable, fragmented. The kid gets the diagnosis because, much of the time, the parent dynamic is not good. So this, this, this young man's gotten this now for about eight years. He was on medication until he went to college. Had a scholarship. Within the first few weeks of college, he dropped the sport that he had a scholarship in. I had limited access to his grades, and I found out he was failing, not attending class. So what happened was this young man, who has resisted rules and authority for many years, uh, was put in an independent position, and he didn't have the self-discipline to follow through. He was put on academic probation and not allowed back to that college. He then applied to a local college. And we told him he gets one semester, and if he doesn't do better, he's going to find an alternative. We thought everything was going well. I had him show me his grades on two or three occasions, and appeared he was passing. Now, it's interesting. Mom is saying this. And my my question always is, when a parent says, I had this done, I did this, I did that, there's not a we there. 
So it may simply be a manner of speaking, or it may be that this particular parent was the one who was trying to establish the rules. Beardy was passing when we found out he was suspended. He's been not straight with us the whole time. Here's the key line. This, 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 goes, this goes back to what I said about civilized virtues, virtuous. He is an overall good kid. How is this? He is kind and caring, and he cried when we confronted him. Okay. So, he's, so he has those characteristics. He's a good, kind, caring kid. Got it. But the bottom line, I hate to use that cliche, is that he's not responsible where his academics are concerned and perhaps not where his life trajectory is concerned regarding responsibility. He's been living off his savings account. Okay, here's where it says we. All right, I got the we now. We've been telling him he needs a part-time job. However, he games. Many times I've woken up in the middle of the night, find him yelling at the game. I believe the game needs to go. I've asked him if he would talk to someone. He says he won't. This is just a quick rundown, Dr. Ray. I've contacted a local counselor to help figure this out. But I may not be able to get to anyone for weeks. I do not know how to respond. Mom, you're in a situation that many, many parents find themselves in. What are you going to do with an adult, a legal adult, who's living incredibly irresponsibly, who is not following many rules, he's not obnoxious, he's not necessarily quote-unquote in-your-face defiant, not nasty, he just simply is drifting. What do you do? Are you help? Now, this is a question you have to answer. I'm not going to answer for you. Are you helping him by letting him live there under those conditions? Or are you hurting him? And is your goal to put up with this until he straightens up? Now, I've got to tell you, most of the time that doesn't happen. As long as you stay the course that you're staying on, which is to pretty much let him do what he wants, uh, they're going to keep doing what they want. So what do you do? I can't tell you how many parents come to me with this problem. If I set conditions on this child, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. And if something really bad happens, I can't live with myself. That's That's the conundrum that they find themselves in. On the other hand, the relationship deteriorates as the child continues to drift and to not make active moves towards growing up, the parents get more frustrated and there's more fights and there's more arguments and there's more nagging and then it starts to get ugly. So in a case like this, when this child does not want to talk to someone, and I'm not, I'm not so sure talking to someone would, would help at all anyway. Because you've you got to want to make changes, and if it's more comfortable just to play games, 
the old stereotype of the young adult male living in his parents' house playing video games for all hours. That's quite a stereotype, and there's grains of truth in all stereotypes. Then the parents got to make some decisions, and the parents don't want to make the decisions. They want to hold off until they absolutely have to. Now, you said he's living off his savings. He must have had a job at one time. What happens when the savings are gone? You didn't mention this, but you probably don't charge him any rent, correct? He just lives there. He doesn't help with utilities or food or any kind of other board requirements. So what will you do? And are you and your husband on the same page? Does one say, no, I'm not going to live this way? And the other say, well, we can't, we can't kick him out. Or we... Parents always said, I don't want to kick him out. I don't really think it's a, it's not kicking him out. It's basically saying, here's the conditions. Choose. You're not kicking him out. You're saying, I got conditions. Big difference. Joining me here on The Doctor is In, my compadre, Eric Dumont, there in Ave Maria, Radio Communications. We cooperate with EWT and Global Catholic Radio. Well, some 400 and some stations and uh, Sirius Satellite, Channel 130, all, all kinds of apps and streaming. So I think a lot of people listen that way. Uh, all of our shows are archived so you just go to AveMariaRadio.net and you just plug in the date you want it's there those shows are archived probably within a few hours of the end of the show and we have we have hundreds of them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and what we do when we have a we don't have any best of we have least worst of when we put together a least worst of the doctors and we have to go through and pick two minutes from here and four minutes from there and one minute from there. And it usually takes us a couple hundred to get a good full show. Hi, Dr. Ray. Standard young female appellation. I'm a Catholic mother of a four-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl. And I feel that I am at the end of my rope. On paper... It looks as though I'm doing everything right. For instance, I stay home with my children. We enforce strict bedtimes and mealtimes. And the children are expected to eat what they are served. They usually do. Children are not allowed to play with electronic devices. Well, that's good. They're only four and one. I try to follow through on consequences for bad behavior and am careful to assign consequences that can realistically be carried out. Got it, got it. I recognize that my husband and I are the authorities in our home. Okay, a lot of good stuff sitting there. But I I see this. This is, my standards are high, but my discipline is frustrating. 
Very common dichotomy. And yet, she says, my four-year-old is extremely adversarial. Okay, let me stop you right there, Mom. Some four-year-olds, are they push harder than others. When a parent tells me a kid's adversarial, I don't see that as necessarily an adversarial kid. I see it as a kid. A four-year-old who's going to push because he wants to do what he wants to do. So I, I don't... I'm really slow to use those kind of words. My four-year-old's oppositional. My four-year-old is defiant. My four-year-old is this. My f- no, no, he, my four-year-old's a four-year-old. And we parents have to teach them out of that style. He is prone to outbursts when he doesn't get his way. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't have a s- surprise at that. Even though he should know by now. Ah, there's that key phrase, Mom. Let me Let me read the whole thing and then I'll... Respond. Even though he should know by now that his outbursts do not get him once. See, there's part of your frustration. Why isn't he getting this? Well, because he's four. Because four-year-olds don't have much in the way of self-control. Four-year-olds sometimes have to experience the same consequence over and 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 over again. Let me draw a parallel for you, Mom. Do you go to confession? Do you find yourself telling the priest the same sins? And when you do these behaviors, don't you feel bad? I mean, you feel guilty or your conscience bothers you or or somebody else gives you a bad reaction. You know, there's a consequence placed upon you of some type, really. Much more so than sitting on the steps for three minutes. Now, I don't understand something here, Mom. You've been getting disciplined for some of this stuff for 20 and 30 years. Why are you still doing it? Do you expect a four-year-old, after being disciplined for a year, <laughs> year and a half, to not do this anymore? Whoa. Four-year-olds do learn faster than we do, by the way. Now, I'll add another wrinkle to your question. Many of the parents who come to see me will say, we do this, 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 and this, and we still don't see the kind of results we want. So we talk. And as we talk, I find out that in most cases, they're really not doing what they need to do to get this under better control. Not because they're bad people. No, because they're human people. And they're doing things that aren't working real well, or they're not doing them enough, or they're impatient. Why isn't he better by now? All right, there we go. For instance, he's begun talking back. He might shout, no, it's not, if I say something to the effect of, it's my job to make decisions around here. He says, no, it's not. Okay, go stand in the corner. (laughs) He can't talk like that. Well, Dr. Ray, that would happen 50 times. Okay, happens 50 times. Well, he still does it. Well, he's probably still four, isn't he? So, the frustration, part of your frustration is coming from, this is not working. And what you're really saying, the unspoken part is, this is not working as fast as I want it to. That's 
generally a frustration factor. And then, as I said, the other frustration factor is probably you're not as consistent or, what's the word I'm looking for, confident and he perceives you as somebody he can push on. Now, aha, mom says, of course, I don't always respond calmly to his behavior. I routinely raise my voice and find myself doing and saying things that are really juvenile and unhelpful. It's because you're frustrated. You get frustrated, you do this kind of stuff. But you know what that tells me? That tells me you really don't have authority established yet. And it is a rare four-year-old who won't respond to calm, confident authority. My ten children, some of whom had very difficult upbringings, they're all adopted, and some of them had just absolutely chaotic beginnings of life. My wife had no problem getting any one of them to take their discipline. Why? Because she was so confident and so firm about it, not nasty at all, but just firm, and they knew they better not to fire or else all kinds of other consequences are going to befall them. And they learned that very, very early. So she didn't have a four-year-old refuse to go to the corner. That didn't happen. Somebody asked her one time, what would you do if your four-year-old refuses? She goes, I don't know. And the mom said, what do you mean you don't know? She said, I don't, I don't know. They haven't. How could they not? Well, maybe she established it. Okay. Now. Uh, just being around him often makes me feel tense. And I'm sure I'm not as affectionate and warm as I should be, which he probably picks up on. It's a vicious cycle, Dr. Ray. And I'm desperate to get out of it. <laughs> Bless your heart. Is there a way out? Of course there is. Many ways out. And then... Here is one of my favorite lines of this whole e-person. You have written many books, Dr. Ray. Which one should I read first? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. Discipline that lasts a lifetime. It is one of my most popular books. It's one of the biggest sellers. It is on my website. Discounted. Signed. It is a hundred of the most common discipline questions parents ask me. It deals with their confidence. It deals with their frustration. It deals with calm authority. It deals with all kinds of techniques to make discipline stick. And I spend several of the pages talking about how do you lower your frustration. So, given everything I'm reading in this e-person, mom is presenting a typical picture, which is... I'm shell-shocked by this four-year-old because he's pushing, which four-year-olds do, most of them. If you got one that doesn't, hey, okay, you got a freebie. you got a mulligan around from God. He said, play with this. So as a result, you can see the dynamics. Mom is already admitting, I'm getting frustrated, I'm not handling this. So when she gets mad and probably yells and probably argues, all that's doing is is showing him she doesn't quite have the confident authority to look at him and say, go to the corner, please. Go to the corner, please. Five words. Five words. And she's going to enforce it. So, all the answers to how to enforce that, Mom, are in that book I gave you. Thanks for putting that last line in there. I'm Dr. Ray. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it. Then why did you bring it up in the first place? The doctor will be with you in just a moment. 
This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the season of Lent, and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. Let's start out with a question. What are you doing to prepare for Lent? The Church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of fasting so that we can get the most out of prayer and penance. Join us this week as Father John wants to help us get the most out of Lent, as well as how Jesus wants us to pray. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Food for the Journey, Sister Ann Shield. You know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments and just spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven. But if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself and you may well get a thought that you didn't have before. And sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam. And then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry. How do we respect the other person while we're correcting them? Please, brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts to God in those moments. Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey weekday mornings at 645 and again at 1130 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Last segment of The Doctor Is In on this E-Person Monday variant. Dr. Ray, our 17-year-old son, runs the house. How did we get to a point in our culture where so many kids are running the house? This is something, you got to understand something, this is something unheard of in much of human history. It's pretty much unheard of two, three, four generations ago in our culture. It's unheard of. Now, I think there's two huge factors. One, the experts have radically altered the way parents are, uh, are to approach child rearing, and this stuff does not work. Two, the culture is absolutely, crushingly difficult in its materialism, in its hedonism, and in its technology that it shapes kids. All right, that said, not the point of this e-person. When he is happy, the others in the household are happy. When he's angry, the other kids are, and he makes them feel it. We've run a house that has let this happen. There's the word. We do realize that now. After much counseling, we've been working to change this dynamic. I will tell you this. When a parent comes to me and says, my 17-year-old is running the house, by and large, counseling with a 17-year-old is nowhere near as effective as counseling with the parents. The parents are the ones who want to change things. Most of the time, the 17-year-old doesn't see anything wrong with what he's doing. And the only reason he sees something wrong with what he's doing is because every once in a while he gets disciplined and he doesn't like that. Okay. Uh, we steam, we constantly been working, but it seems to be a constant state of gentle talks and correction. 
with little fruit except he is less content around us. Well, I don't know what you mean by gentle talk and correction, but if that means an absence of calm, confident, limit-setting, uh, yeah, if that's the way you've been approaching him all this time, as you said, we've let this happen. Dr. Ray, do we just live in this state until he leaves for home? It leaves our home in a few years? Well, you don't know he's going to leave. What if he doesn't? Now he's an adult. You're assuming he's going to leave. Chances may be not. Then what do you do? We can't go back to the old ways, Dr. Ray, because the rest of the family deserves to thrive out of his shadow. What is the best way to manage the shifting dynamic where we're finally the ones in charge of the house without hurting that relationship? I don't want to resent him or hurt the relationship because of our mistakes, but I want to move forward. I uh, have another book out. It's called Standing Strong. Good discipline makes great teens. And it deals with the most common questions I get for these teen years. One of them is, is it too late? What do we do now? We recognize that we've gone in a direction that just has not worked at all, and it's really pretty unpleasant right now. What do we do? Do we change? I go, yeah, you got to change. Will it make any difference? I don't know. I really have to be honest with you. I don't know. Because if a kid is 17 years old, and you say, now, here's our conditions, here's our rules, there's a high likelihood he's going to rebel like you've never seen him rebel. That happens a lot. However, the question becomes, are you going to do something about it? Almost for the sake of the other little eyes watching. Their attitude is, I guess when you get to be that age, you can really abuse mom and dad, huh? So, if you're asking me, do you change? And my opinion is, you do. If you're asking me, will it make any difference? That I can't predict. That I don't know. Uh, Much of the time it doesn't. It just gets uglier. And you say, I don't want to resent him, or I don't want to have a bad relationship. I can't predict, but it may be that way for a while. It may be. He's at a point where in his life, for whatever the reason, he's gotten the mindset that things should go the way he wants them to go, not the way you want them to go to run your house and to teach him. So because of that, his mind is, don't tell me now. And if you attempt to reassert your authority, which is probably a healthy thing, uh, be, be ready for a storm. Be ready for a storm. Oh, boy. This is a very common question of parents. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Doctor Is In on the Sea Person Monday. Eric Dumont, thank you for handling everything over in that direction. I appreciate it very, very much. Walk with God. You know, you walk with God. By and large, you probably would solve problems better. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.